The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being present with me for a little while uh, out there spinning in the cosmos, out on the airwaves. So what do you do and who do you turn to when things fall apart? Well, I've had a group of friends since high school that I turn to when things go south. And we've seen each other through divorces, deaths, everything in between. I love having a group of women friends. I mean, I think it's really important. I have a great group of friends here in San Diego. Women create tribes more so than men, and we're natural nurturers and caregivers. And really, it's a practical thing, too. Let's face it. We live seven years longer than men on average. We better have a tribe around us. We better have some women around us when things go south. Well, my guest today, Allison Carmen, is a business consultant, life coach, and the author of A Year Without Men, A 12-Point Guide to Inspire and Empower Women. And she's gathered a great tribe around her. She shares a lot of events from her own life in her story in the book, how she was able to heal and empower herself. And just if you're listening, if you're a man and you're like, okay, I'm going to tune out, well, this isn't a dig against men at all. The title is rather a celebration of women coming together and supporting each other when the chips are down. And I really love the book. There's some great strategies and tools in here to share, and we're going to dig into it. So welcome, Allison, to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I'm so glad we could chat. I really love the book. I think it's great. You just honestly share uh, you know, some personal things about your life and, and what you've learned. So you know, I, I wanted to mention to people about the title, and that it's not, you know, that you're saying, oh, well, we don't need men. I mean, you know, we, we really do. We need, we need each other to come together. But this book was sparked by a traumatic event in your life when your 27-year marriage fell apart. Just everything as you knew was kind of pulled out. The rug was pulled out from under you. And it, but it was kind of like the universe knew that you were going to need the support of women during this time. And so it, it kind of conspired to have that happen. I mean, how, how did you feel when that, that was coming together and then you looked around and then you had this tribe of women to help? Yeah. First, I have to say about the title, 
uh, it's so interesting the controversy that it it kind of has that it, it didn't mean that it didn't mean it wasn't a promotion it wasn't anti man it was literally an experience that I had and that experience really changed my life and empowered me. So it, it's more female centered. But yeah, I didn't even realize what was happening to me. My husband came home. If you would have spoke to me on June 29th, 2018, I would have told you uh, life is great, great marriage, great kids, great business. And then literally I woke up the next day and my entire life just fell apart in front of me. My husband came home and what I thought was out of nowhere told me that he wanted to leave me, wanted to date other women. There were a lot of details. And I remember I just fell to the floor in that moment. I actually felt my heart. I could actually feel my heart split. And it was like scorched earth that everything I knew, everything I thought, everything I planned had just kind of blown up in one moment. My life was very based, even though you know, I was an activist and I was a businesswoman. My life was based around that family structure and that marriage. And then within a week, I lost my biggest client of 25 years. And, and so these two things that were happening, I, I could not get my bearing. And then literally a week later, I got invited to become the chief financial officer of a day hospital for women. So only women worked there and we only treated women. And so within like a two month period, you're right. I, I, all of a sudden I recognized that there were practically no men in my life. And I worked with women. Women were the people who were there for me the most. They were supporting me, new business relationships. Uh, I became uh, a Reiki master with women. Everything was just woman oriented and it was a surprise. And yes, it felt like the universe was conspiring to support me to this new life. And was really interesting. It, it allowed me to see myself. I, I think what happened, I was in the business world for so long and this patriarchal structure in this place where I was always trying to fit in. I was always trying to kind of fit into a world maybe that was not made for me. And then when that whole structure fell apart, I got to see myself. I stopped hiding. I became more resilient. I valued myself more. And I think that's what the experience was. It doesn't have to be done without men, but for me, that's how it happened. And it was very inspiring. And I'm very thankful for all the women that gathered around me that I was able to kind of find my way in a very inspiring way. Right. I related so much to your story and, and especially with what you're sharing, because um, I mean, a lot of my own experience, I remember you know, getting into the radio biz when I was 19 and 20 and I was working at rock stations, it was all men, <laughs> you know, like troglodyte men. And uh, I, I shouldn't say that if any any of them happen to be listening or their wives or anything. But I mean, I, I know what it's like to kind of try to make yourself fit in, you know, this the, feel like the square peg in, in the round hole and especially in business. And so many interesting things came up for me as I was reading this because I think sometimes women are pitted against each other in business and in relationships. And there's the old joke, you know, cat fight, you know, like men love to laugh about that. I mean, was it a process to learn to trust these other women as you were going through that coming from the experience of being in the corporate world and, and working with a lot of men? Because yeah. I, oh, I see that sometimes with women that it's hard for them to trust. Okay. Well, I think because we're, we're put in that position. If you think about it, like like men and women graduate college at the same rate since 1991. But if you look around, men get paid more, more men are CEOs, more men are on boards. And so like we're not getting paid as much. We're not 
we're not getting treated as well. And all of a sudden you look around and you think there's something wrong with you. And then it feels like there's only room for one woman or there's only room for certain things. So it's kind of like the whole structure doesn't support us. And then kind of, it doesn't, there's no place for collaboration. There's really no place to go. So for me, it wasn't, um, I always felt awkward. I didn't realize why I did. I was always in the fight. I was always, you know, trying to get my way, be heard. So it was never for me against a man or woman. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just looking at this world that I thought was harsh and looking around saying, well, why is it so hard for me all the time? And it's when my husband left that I started to see that I was just arguing with a structure that really didn't welcome me. And so when I first started to work with all women, it was actually very natural. I I found it. And I'm not saying that that women are better than men or this or that. It was just, for me, it was a very collaborative environment. Nobody was talking about, you know, putting women down. No one was talking about sports or sex in the office. It was just very natural. It was collaborative. And for me, it worked very well. Um, But it also allowed me to see all the times that the the structure wasn't welcoming to me and, and how I just kept trying, like you said, just trying to fit into a place that didn't quite fit. And so it was a, a process of really getting to know myself more, but I loved every woman I've met over the year. And I loved every collaboration. I I think that women are amazing business women, uh, amazing at business, emotional warriors. Um, We just doubt ourselves because the world hasn't always given us the opportunity um, that we deserve. And so when you have those opportunities and you're in a collaborative environment, beautiful things happen. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I mean, I've seen those instances in my own life and have come across some women that are really supportive and and loving and want to help and not want to make it harder for the other woman or you have these jealousy things. So I think it really takes a lot of self-awareness and kind of digging into your own stuff to, you know, be able to look at that and then be able to treat our, our other, our women colleagues as sisters rather than competition and uh, foes. <laughs> Actually, well, you know, in, in fact, like women, we support the patriarchal structure too. Like, the, you know, just because you're not a man doesn't mean you're not supporting a structure where someone has to be on top, someone has to be on bottom. So yes, it takes an awareness to look within and say, who am I really? Because what happens is we lose ourselves because we're trying to make money for our families. We lose ourselves because a situation is not exactly the way we want it to be. So we try to conform. We try to make it work. So you're right. When we go within and we're able to kind of separate ourselves from the situation and see our value and see our worth and see who we want to be and how we want to step forward, that's when we're going to see the collaboration. That's when we're going to have these amazing relationships with men and women. But for me, it you know, having this collaboration with females, it, it was just such a powerful year. To I felt lifted. I felt elevated. I felt accepted. And I probably had more success than I've ever had in my life. I, you know, I was so broken, but at the same time, I was shining in certain areas. So it was really a a wild experience on many levels. Right. A lot of your story kind of reminded me of uh, a big influence in my life, Louise Hay. We chatted a little bit before the show and I was telling you I had had worked uh, for her company for 11 years. And really, it was after her divorce, her husband left her. She went through a cancer scare which you can read about in, in You Can Heal Your Life. And, you know, her life broke down to rebuild, like like the phoenix out of the ashes, kind of similar with you. Like that, that experience, I'm sure, just changed you in your DNA. Like there's before and after 
the day before was normal, then all of a sudden, which I have to say is a pretty is a pretty lousy excuse for wanting to you know get out of a marriage. I want to see other people, so I want to date. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. He was but, a little more explicit than that, but yeah, yeah you know, I, <laughs> but but you're right. It's and it's hard to see it in that moment. It, it's hard to see that there'll ever be anything else other than that pain. And and that's the key. It's like sticking with that. And now I was very aware of that the whole time. Like I wanted to honor my pain, but I was very aware of the place that I could become so broken that I wouldn't make that change. And I think some people can't get there. It's really hard. I was very blessed. I had a strong spiritual practice. I had this relationship with uncertainty through my first book, The Gift of Maybe. So I knew that uncertainty was my best friend. So anytime that uh, it looked so dark, I knew as I looked out there and I looked at my biggest fear, I also knew there were other possibilities out there. So for me, I was I was very lucky, but you have to stay with it because it's very easy to get lost in the story that my life didn't turn out the way I expected and I'm out. I'm a washed up middle-aged woman and there's no place for me to go. So there were like storylines that you really have to kind of elevate a elevate above them. And I think that's what that year was about. All the lessons I learned helped me elevate about the uh, above them. And that's what I write about in the book, all these moments that could have taken me down, but instead I was able to transcend and get past them. But it was through awareness and through a lot of hard work and a lot of tears to get there. Right. A lot, a lot of work, a, a lot of pain. I want to talk a little bit about the the first concept uh, that you mentioned, because you, you had mentioned your previous book, The Gift of Maybe. And boy, uncertainty is something that we have a real problem with, right? We want to know, especially these type A control freaks, you know, we want to know what's going to happen. We want to control the outcomes Mm -hmm. and life just doesn't work that way at all. And and you say, make friends, make friends with it. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we all want to know we're okay. And then have children. We know our children are going to be okay. We want to know we are able to afford our home, keep our job. And it's understandable because life is uncertain. And so we play this game with ourselves and we start to write stories. This will happen and everything will be okay. That'll happen and everything will be okay. And then when things don't happen that way, people who can't deal with uncertainty, we fall apart. We stop trying. We don't pursue the business. We don't pursue the relationship. So it's a kind of tricky game that we play. We think that certainty is going to keep us safe. But in the end, it really keeps us from our best life. And for me, you know, I had developed such a beautiful relationship with uncertainty and the universe was like, oh, well, let let me give her something that she doesn't expect. And I guess there was a part of me that I, I think I viewed my marriage as certainty and my husband as certainty. So even though I had a good relationship with it, when that one thing you don't realize you're hanging on to leaves, like I said, scorched earth, it was so devastating. And I remember two nights into this horrible news, I actually took the gift of maybe into the bathroom and I was lying on my floor and I was crying and I was weeping and I actually opened up the book to page six and I was reading my biggest fears and I saw one of my biggest fears was, would my husband always love me? And I'm like, what? Like that was in there. And, and it was weird. I didn't feel it in my heart, but at that moment I realized that if it was in the gift of maybe what maybe says is that within life there's uncertainty but life has maybe meaning that you can't know the future. And because you can't know the future, you can't know if your biggest fear is actually true and what else is there. And that's the maybe. The maybe is the other side. We live in the maybe not and we forget maybe things will change. Maybe they'll get better. Maybe my thoughts aren't true. Maybe there's something left for me to experience in this lifetime. 
And in that moment, although it wasn't that moment that I embraced maybe because I was in so much pain, but cognitively, I recognized that I didn't know if my life was over. I didn't know if I wasn't going to be able to carry on. There might be something else. And again, that word maybe saved me. It saved me at that night and in the months to come. And I think when we're able to see that life has maybe, it gives us breath. It gives us air. It gives us hope. It, and, you know, you think about it, despair, when we fall into despair, it's just our addiction to certainty. Because despair is saying, based on yesterday, based on today, I know things can never be better tomorrow. And a lot of people are feeling that now with the pandemic and all the crazy things going out in the world, that despair is our easy way out. It's easy to be in despair. It's much harder to be in hope. It's, it's much harder to look in the unknown and have resilience and want to carry on and think about possibilities. And so this idea of maybe kept me away from despair and kept me in this open place, no matter how much pain I was with in, I realized life would keep changing. And, and just going back to women in the workplace and women in business, because we don't have this solid, clear road, if we can have a good relationship with uncertainty, we're going to take more risks. And I've seen in my life when women take risks in business, they succeed. When they step out of the box, they do things different. Even like your career, you were telling me, you're a maybe gal, right? Like you have not had this normal business track, but you've had these amazing experiences. You start new adventures, new things. So even though we haven't talked about the idea of maybe, you obviously look at uncertainty and you're like, so much more is possible that, than I can even imagine. It could be. And I, you know, I've, I love that your own words came back as your lesson from your book. I think that's, I think that's so awesome. But for, for me personally, I think being in such a uncertain industry as radio, which, which I've been, you know, since I was 1920, where people can get fired on a dime yeah. and I've seen whole offices, like in broadcast news, the scene where they, they fire the whole staff. Like <laughs> I've been that person walking down the hall with my box and what am I going to do? And I think when you go through some of those experiences a couple of times, you become more resilient. And I know there's been a lot of studies on resilience and uh, it's so key to really being able to manage as, as you're going through life. But yeah, when you're thinking, you know, you're cruising along, oh, I'm so happy. Life's great. I, I'm certain, you know, what's going to happen. Then life will throw you those curveballs. But I think what you've seen and what I've seen in, in other other people's experiences that you can you can rebuild and you can be better and maybe in a totally different direction, something that, that you never even thought was possible. And to have that, the gift of maybe, maybe to have that hope is really so important. You know, it's, it's not over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and also too, some people always ask me, was it a blessing? And, and I'm not at that place that I could say this was a blessing because I was very committed to family and I still have pain in my heart, but it does allow you whether you believe the best is always happening or you need to make the best of it, this idea of maybe an uncertainty allows you to make the best of whatever life throws your way. And, and the best sometimes is a great moment. It, maybe it's a new life. Maybe it's a life you like a little less, but it's still a great life. Like who knows? Or maybe it's a better life. It's just, we keep expanding as human beings. And, and, you know, for me, that has become one of the most important things is, to keep growing and to keep learning and to keep deepening my heart. You know, it's funny. I feel more than I ever have. And I connect more. I used to, you know, you think you're so connected and then something happens and then you connect deeper. Um, I connect deeper to other people's suffering, other people's pain. Um, 
I think it's made me a, a deeper human being, a more feeling human being and a more real person, more resilient for sure, but also more real um, about life and, and truth. So th this experience has definitely deepened me on, on many levels. Right. And the fact that you're able to pull those lessons and some positivity out of a horrible experience. And yeah, you know, honestly, you're, you said you're not at that point where you can say, you know, was this a blessing? Maybe not a blessing, a lesson that right. you might have had to learn. Absolutely. But. And and there have the funny thing about life is that I think we're brought up to think that, you know, we're going to reach these milestones and, and that it's going to be, you know, clear sailing, you know, and life's not like that. It, it, you know, I've learned that in business too. Like, you know, your business is great and then your child has a problem. I mean, life is, is very complex. And so within the year, I had so many deep blessings. So I had this thing that was causing me pain, but I was acutely aware of all the blessings that were happening at the same time. And I think that's also taught me that the complication of life and when you live with deep gratitude and you're always aware of these beautiful things happening around you, you live a blessed life, even when there's pain in your life. So that's what I feel like. I'm very clear that I have a very blessed life, um, even with all the things that have happened to me. And, th and that's been a really big switch for me. Right. And I think the more people get used to that and get used to the uncertainty, you know, they'll be able to cope with what inevitably is going to happen. No, nobody's life is ever smooth sailing, you know, from, right. from start to finish. And Absolutely. I, I loved in the chapter, um, the, another great coping skill you were talking about, just because someone says it, that doesn't make it true. And I, I thought about, you know, wow, how is it so often that we'll hear someone will say something negative or, you know, someone will comment about your weight or whatever it is. I'm thinking women, cause we're always worried about our weight, you know, and, and we believe it. Right. And yeah, you no, absolutely. Even and I think it, again, it starts from a very young age. I think, you know, a lot of things are said to women as they're growing up about their looks, about their capabilities, even like, you know, when you're in school, sometimes the boys will get called on more, the sport, their sports teams will be recognized more. So what happens is after a while, again, you look at yourself and you say, if I was so great, if I was so wonderful, why wouldn't better things be happening in my life? And so in order to counteract that, you have to kind of constantly say connected to yourself. And I remember when my husband left me, he called me selfish. And, and for me, it was like one of the worst things in the world. I'm an empath. I'm a healer. I'm always trying to help people. And in the closest relationship I had in my life, the person was calling me selfish. And I really went down a rabbit hole and I went through my life. Well, I cooked his meals. I took care of the kids. And, and I just like, I was spinning out of control until one night I was like, well, just because he says it doesn't mean it's true. And it sounds so simple, but when that's one of your mantras, you automatically go back to yourself. And that's where the truth lies anyhow. That's where the value is. That's where the worth is. And it doesn't mean you're not going to listen to people, but you always need to check into yourself because sometimes people say brilliant things to you. And sometimes they say awful things that really have no meaning, no purpose other than to bring you down. So what happens is you become the compass. You say that mantra, just because someone says it doesn't mean it's true. You go back to you. You see how you feel. What's true for me in this moment? What do I need to listen to? What don't I need to listen to? Sounds simple, but it is so defining when you go back to you and then act from that place. Very centering, very profound. Right. Getting to that place. I mean, do you work with, you know, I mean, you do you share a couple of th other things in the book that I really like, some techniques, you know, to really 
to get to that place. But do you ever just sit there and say, like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Byron Katie, you know, the work and she says, you know, is this true? Is this really true? You ask yourself those questions. I mean, did you go through those steps sometimes? Like, is that really true? <laughs> you know what they're but, saying? Was that true for me? Yeah. Is this true for me? I mean, I really broke it down even with just my husband, like, you know, was I selfish? And like, you know, you really break it down. And for me, I had to go back to me and really look, you know, was I perfect in my marriage? I don't think anybody's perfect in their marriage, but leaving is a whole other step, not wanting to work on it, not being honest, not being truthful. And then looking all the things I did, I was able to say, well, it was selfish that he left for me, you know, and it was selfish, this, that, the other thing. So I think it's, you go back to yourself and you have to ask those questions. And it's tricky because if you want, you've gone through a whole life where you're always listening to other people, it's going to take a while. But there's a person in there. There's a person in there with likes and dislikes and value and beauty and divinity. And when we get back to that place, we live an authentic life and we really step into our true power. Again, it's just a simple statement, but that's one of the first steps to being more real in the world and being more successful. Because you know, when we go out with our gifts, we're more likely to find success. Right. And overcoming those old paradigms, like be, be the good girl. Absolutely. Don't, you know, don't, don't push, don't push this. Um, you know, don't be the squeaky wheel or, you know, and, and just really not listening to ourselves. Absolutely. And it's tough sometimes too. You know, sometimes when you listen to yourself, the people in the room are not going to be happy with you. Sometimes when you listen to yourself, you have to leave that job. Sometimes when you listen to yourself, you have to start your own business. But I have to say, when you listen to yourself over and over again, I've seen women over the past 30 years, you end up in a better place, a more authentic place, a more successful place. You know, we think it's good to play it safe, but safety, usually we end up at the short end of the stick because we don't speak up and we think we're just putting our time in and then we get fired anyhow, or we don't get that promotion or the place we're at was never going to give us what we needed. So the best shot we have in life is to dig deep and be authentic and take those risks and cultivate a great relationship with uncertainty. And then we're going to see a different life. And it might not be an easy road, but I have to say it's a road worth taking. Yes, I agree. You have to get comfortable with that, get comfortable with uncertainty. And and there's I'm thinking of a quote, and I can't remember about risk and reward. You know, you have to take a risk sometimes in life that you're not comfortable with. Right. You have yeah. to feel sturdy inside. And that's what happens with women. We, we fear the unknown, the past's not clear. And because we're not listening to ourselves and we're not valuing ourselves, we don't make that move. So you're right. The risk of the reward, but we have to love ourselves enough to take that risk. Right. I'm talking with Alison Carmen about her book, which is so fun, such great information in here for women, no, wh wherever you are, you don't have to have a, a crisis happening to enjoy this. A Year Without Men, a 12-point guide to inspire and empower women. I think that it could be a great gift for people. You know, maybe, you know, a woman that's having a hard time right now, you know, and she needs a little support. This would be a great gift for someone. And hey, holidays are around the corner and you <laughs> getting a holiday plug in there, right? And you can also find Allison at her website, Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, Carmen.com. I think sometimes Allison is with one L. Sometimes. So I had to throw in, uh, throw in the two. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back in just a minute, chatting some more about a year without men.
human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. I'm Diane Ray talking with Allison Carmen about her book, A Year Without Men, a 12-point guide to inspire and empower women. Just such a great collection of, you know, really simple stuff, but very profound, real life lessons that Allison is sharing from her experience. And one of the things that I related to, well, especially as I'm getting older, entering into that that 50 decade, society generally isn't kind to older women, right? I mean, we, we see it and uh, it, it's tough. It's kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. I mean, we're replaced with the trophy wife. In the workplace, a lot of times the younger person gets the job over the more experienced older person. I mean, I really think ageism is like the last big thing that needs to be tackled where we're supposed to be worthless as we're entering into these stages of life. When if you look back in other cultures, like elders were revered, right? You would go to the wise woman, the wise uh, sage for advice. Um, how how do you, were you able to let go of some of those beliefs? Because especially for women, men don't seem to be, you know, as as hit with this. Absolutely. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that we have no real place to put our power. We're not economically equal. And so we're kind of at the mercy sometimes of a society and the society is judging a lot of women based on their looks. And so, again, you know, we're going to have to go back to ourselves and create the the life and the world that we want to see. And for me, um, when my husband left, I remember he told me that uh, it wasn't because I, I wasn't desirable anymore. I remember him saying that to me. And then he ended up with a woman who was 34 years old. And I, I, I what was I going to do? And I remember I went to this holistic spa and I was going to get new moisturizers and creams. And this was going to be my, my step out, which was so funny because I had such a deep spiritual practice, but you, you know, you have knee jerk reactions in life. And I remember I got to the spa and of course the woman who I was going to see, she was this beautiful older woman and she ended up being a healer. And so we didn't talk about moisturizers. We talked about truth and we talked about forgiveness and gratitude. And then she gave me her book called Absolute Beauty. And when I opened up the book, I read the definition of beauty. And the definition of beauty in Webster's Dictionary is that which gives pleasure to our senses. And I thought to myself, I remember that moment thinking to myself, wait a second, I've been plucking my eyebrows, dyeing my hair. I'm always on diets and beauty is what gives me pleasure. And for me, that was such a big moment because the minute I saw it differently, I started to see myself differently. I had been experiencing the world as to what will the world accept and how can I change to be accepted? 
And as I kind of just started from even just physical beauty, wait, this is what, what do I like to look at? Do I like to look at a flower? Do I look, do I like to look at a tree? Do I look, what, what gives me pleasure? And from that space, it was a big shift for me because I stopped thinking about what the guy is thinking, what the boss is thinking. And it made me start thinking about what I'm thinking because women are made to feel uncomfortable the minute they walk in the room. And, the, and when we're looking at it from our own value and our own sense of what gives us pleasure and what pleases us and what, what we like to do and what we're interested in, it really changes it. So yeah, the world might be looking at me one way, but I'm looking at the world a different way. And because of that, I go out into the world differently. And I've created a lot within it. I mean, I was never a chief financial officer of, I mean, of a day hospital. I wrote a book. I got both my kids, one to a great law school, one to a great college, all in this period of time that all that changed was it was coming from me to the, towards the outside world. And that's what women need to do. Yeah, we might be rejected more for our opinions or living an inspired life, but I believe that we're going to be more successful. We're going to attract the right people in our lives and we're going to live a, a deeper, more inspired life. And that's how the world starts to change when we don't change because the world asks us to. That is so profound. It's so true. And I'm just thinking of, you know, different women in my own life and things that have changed as I've gotten older. And even just over like this pandemic year, you know, we're doing a lot of things on Zoom. And and I remember in the beginning just being worried about how I have to have full makeup on and my hair done. And like, <laughs> after a while, you just let go of that. You know, I just don't care. I mean, obviously, you pull yourself together somewhat. But Taking the emphasis off of that into what you were saying, like bringing, bringing out, you know, your real talents, showing how accomplished that you really are. And I think things hopefully are shifting a little bit. I'm noticing certain companies on Instagram where they're taking, having older women do little videos for their products. I don't know if you've noticed that on social, yeah. where it's, it's getting a little bit better. Like, Hey, this is a big portion of society. We're not just going to go away, recognize us, recognize us for who we are and what we can do and not, not just what we look like. I mean, we all have our, our peak and our time to, to enjoy that. And I think it's great, but there, there's more than just the shell, right? We don't have to keep fighting to have the Botox, have all of the stuff, which is okay. I guess if, if you want it, if that makes you feel better, but it shouldn't be something that you feel is necessary. Absolutely. And, and I feel so bad also for, these young women who are growing up in a time where they're on Instagram and at the age of 15 and 16, they're being told they have to look a certain way to be okay. And they're picking up the images and the boys are picking up the images. And what's so interesting, there was a study done that I talk about in my book, how there were three studies. And one study showed that women earlier in their career, when they were better looking, got ahead more. But then when they got in the C-suite, they started to, to have less, they started to get fired. or didn't have many promotions. And there was another study that said, that's not true. Women who are, are not as good looking, they get more respect. And, and at the end, the, these three studies showed that it's just a way to disempower women. That's what I, I think at the end of the day, all the stuff about beauty and looks is to make sure that women don't kind of go out in the world and, and like take over it in a way. And I, so I think it's a way to put us down and it's our job to transcend. And again, it's not easy, but I have to say the biggest, it is such, I'm so happy to not be living in that space anymore, to feel, to be so accomplished. I have so many degrees and then to walk into a room and feel bad about myself because of how I looked. I'm so done with that. I'm so done. I understand why it exists and I have the utmost compassion, but I don't want to live in that place anymore. I want to walk into a room and say, 
there's nothing wrong with me and I'm here to share who I am. And I, I just hope that I can continue to live at that vibration. And that's what I hope for all women. And again, this is not anti-man. It's just empowering women so they could be on an equal playing field with anybody and everything. And to live authentically. And I look back at generations where, like you're saying, it is tough. I mean, I look at girls now and we never had that pressure of Facebook and Instagram and having to have followers and all of this stuff. I I can't even imagine the pressure that young women have now. Yeah, that, absolutely. And the beauty rules have. are even tougher now. They're even tougher now uh, about weight and and all these different things. And I, I just, you know, I talk a little bit about it in my book and I really hope that the power, these, these women, they're being educated. And I, I just hope, you know, it's funny. In my life, I've seen it. It doesn't matter how much education you have. It matters how you see yourself in the world. And so even though these young women are going to have all these opportunities, if they get stuck in this beauty piece, if they get stuck in this piece that they're not valuable or they can't speak up, it doesn't matter how many degrees you're going to have. So it, it has to do with how you see yourself. And that was my biggest, you know, my book is just a hope. I think every book is just a hope. It's a hope that women will see their value first. And again, if you like dressing up and you like looks, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, what do you base your value on? And if you see yourself the way the divine sees you or the, for your truth and for your the, the best of who you are, then I have to believe that you will find your way in this lifetime. That's what I've learned the biggest thing over that year. Uh, that was my biggest truth. Wow. Yeah, you will. That's true. You'll you'll find your way. So much great advice that, that you shared. I loved the chapter on respond, don't react. I thought that was great. And you have a technique where you send yourself emails or text right. before you would send it. That is awesome. And I wish I would have done that many times uh, before I've fallen to the victim of the emotional email or sending out the angry email or something like that. And it's always come back to bite me. I'm like, why did I do that? So I'll do like a, I'll do a count to 10. Sometimes if I'm, if I'm feeling charged and I'll breathe and I'm like, okay, do you really want to hit send, you yeah. know, before you do that? Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to not let yourself get caught up in reacting. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. So you, you learn that the hard way too, right? <laughs> You know, I did, you know, it's funny. I, I always thought of myself as a responsive person, a loving person, not an angry person. And then life will give you something and you'll really see what's inside of you. And it's funny. I think I used to judge other people's anger. And then all of a sudden I am betrayed on the deepest level. And I am this angry woman who who's like, has a lot of horrible things to say. And I was in a very reactive way. And I actually think that self-texting was one of the things that saved me the most that, you know, you have to process your feelings. And just because you have anger in you doesn't mean you're not a good person, doesn't mean you're not a loving person. It's that, you know, that's what's coming up for you in the moment. And so what I would do, thank goodness, is that I would, I had to get it out. Uh, you know, the pause, which I love and the breathing I love, but it was something that I needed to say and I needed to send it, but I would send it to myself. So I spent a long time texting these horrible thoughts I had about my husband to myself. And after I pressed send, I was able to release it. And then, like you said, then the pause and the contemplation, you know, especially women in business, you know, we, because we don't have the same kind of equality, you know, we don't have the same kind of space to mess up. And so when we're more responsive in the workplace, we're going to be more successful. There's always a better way to say things. And so, yeah, for me, being reactive doesn't always come out the right way. 
and you sometimes pay a price for it. And sometimes that space allows you to say, what will serve me here? What will serve me best? And, and actually, most of the time, I never sent those texts. I just texted them to myself because there was nothing left to say. I needed to process my anger. I couldn't change the situation. And then I was just able to respond and deal with the business matter of unraveling a relationship. So yes, finding a way to be responsive in life, especially for women, is probably one of the keys to our success because we're going to say what, what really matters and we're going to be the first person in the room to probably solve a problem and we're going to have a life with less drama because we're only going to say what serves us and what we truly mean. And to me, that's a, a formula for success. And you mentioned betrayal and trust. And I know trust is such a key thing in, in any relationship, I think, whether it's a business relationship or, or personal. And I see women sometimes that hold on to the pain of what someone else did and then punishing other people for that and not being able to cultivate trust again. I mean, how I'm, I'm sure it's probably still a work in progress. Like, how do you work on cultivating trust? You know, for me, I realized at one point that if I made it about trusting another person or trusting again, that I would never be whole. And I, I've seen in business for years, people who say, I trust nobody, I trust nobody. And they're not great business people because, I, you know, you could sign all the contracts in the world. I mean, I, I, I'm an attorney. I know that. It doesn't matter. It, things come down to, to trust, but trusting yourself. And that's what made the difference for me. I realized that I couldn't figure out who I can trust, who I can't trust. I was just going to fall over myself. I was going to make bad decisions. But when I decided to trust that I will be okay no matter what, it didn't matter who came into my life. It mattered that I trusted the decisions I made and knew no matter what happened, I would be okay. And yes, you have to have discernment and you have to you know, try to live the best life that you can. But when it became less about other people and more about trusting myself, that's how I move forward. And I think that's a key in business and our personal lives, because if we always make it about the other person, we're not going to do a lot in our lives. We're always going to look for a reason not to move forward, to try to avoid pain. You know, you can get through the pain. You can get through a lot of stuff in life if you trust you have what it takes to do that. And for me, yes, you know, do I still have, do I have trust issues? No, I don't have trust issues because I trust myself. And, and that for me was one of the biggest lessons that I learned. That is key. That's so true. And I think you get to that point through work, through awareness, you know, getting quiet and feeling. And, and you mentioned that you were an empath. And I, I've checked back in with myself, what Louise Hay would call, she called it her inner ding. And I've felt, you know, okay, this situation isn't going to, isn't going to work in a couple, in a couple of instances, actually, and over this past years, I've been trying to build this, this new business situation. And I think if you can get used to that feeling and it's kind of indescribable, but I think you, you know what I mean, whether you want to call it your ding or what, whatever you might, you might call it. What do you call it? Just a feeling? Just a feeling. Yeah. It, I, I, I go with it. Yeah. I go with that, it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And this also I right. have a maybe. I'm like, wow. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> right. You don't have to say yes. You can always say maybe. Yeah. Let me think about this. And then you, and then you'll think about it. And I think people sometimes are so quick to solve the problem or quick to be reactive that that's where problems and miscommunication lie there yeah, because you're not listening to that. Allow yourself to be uncomfortable. That, that was something too. Like I allowed myself to be uncomfortable and I didn't reach for something to just make it better. 
Like I actually spent a year without men. I'm actually three years without men right now, but um, I allowed it to be. And when we allow it to be, sometimes that's when our real greatness comes forward, especially in business too. Because if you try to fix it, if you try to make it better, sometimes you end up with a partner you're not supposed to be in business with. Sometimes that great idea doesn't have the answers, but that's a damn great idea to give the time for it to blossom. So in business, it's especially just allowing yourself to be uncomfortable and trusting that inner guidance and watching things unfold and then being flexible, you know, because sometimes the greatest idea also needs to change. So um, life is just a beautiful dance, you know, of all these wonderful things. It is. It's it's the dance. And you mentioned stories in the book and I'm and I'm so interested in that because I've I've realized I've had a lot of stories about myself that I've been trying to overcome that oh I can't, you know, how can I do this? Even when I first started working with Unity doing this radio show and trying to build the network, I thought, I can't do this. I remember crying in the kitchen. This is too much. I can't do it. And then letting go of that story of I can't, well, maybe I can. And you, and you turn that around and moving into new experiences, you, you think you can't do it or you blame yourself. And you talk about blame too. I mean, how did you get to the point where you weren't blaming yourself when things were going wrong? You know, blame is an interesting thing. You know, it's a story we tell right? And we often blame ourselves when we don't love ourselves enough. And, and I, you know, I did take time, like it was very important for me to look at what I was responsible for. Um, because I don't like, I don't want to move forward in my life. And if I, if I did do things that maybe weren't my loving best self or there are ways I needed to grow. So I looked at myself, I took responsibility for my roles, but I, I'm very, I've learned to be very forgiving towards myself. You know, you know, we have a lot of experiences in life, you know, when we're children or <clears throat> as women. And so I think through self-forgiveness, I think through re reflection, I think through self-responsibility, um, there's nothing to blame. There's just in this moment, maybe I could have the life that I want from this day forward. And that's really my philosophy. Do you think we become attached to what happened to us and then that becomes, you know, your identity or, or your story oh, and then letting absolutely. go of that? Absolutely. I think we have expectations of our lives and, <clears throat> excuse me, and these expectations are because we want to know we're going to be okay. And I think that I had many moments where that expectation, that story could have stopped me from moving forward or could allow me to move forward. And I realized look, I expected to have this marriage. I expected to retire together. I expected to share grandkids. I expected this life and it was taken away from me in literally 30 seconds. And at some point, those expectations stand between you and a new life. And you always have to watch that. Am I telling a story of the life that I thought I should have? Am I telling the story of things didn't work out and it should be different? And I decided that having a new life was more important than the life I thought I was going to have. And so we always have to watch expectations, steal our dreams, expectations, steal the life that's waiting for us. And again, we're attached because we're afraid we're not okay. And when we allow ourselves to say, maybe I am, and maybe there's something left for me in this lifetime to experience, then we allow ourselves to have a different life. And as I sit here right now, I didn't expect a pandemic. I didn't expect to be single. I just turned, I just became an empty nester two days ago. But at the same time, I realized that life is always offering me something new if I'm willing to be present and willing to be open and not telling the story, it should have been different. So I am here and I am open and I am blessed and I am willing. I'm like, okay, life, what do you got for me now? What's new? So yeah, that's what's next? 
Yeah. And I hope that for people who read the book, I hope that that becomes, you know, the, one of the biggest lessons people have that, that there, there's so much more to us than we even know so much glory, so much beauty, so much potential. And as women, when we see that we become that. I, I like that letting go of expectations. And you're right. We have these ideas and stories that we tell ourselves of the way things are supposed to be. Oh, when I'm this age, this should be the case. I remember the first time I asked for a raise, I was 25 years old and I said, well, I should be making $25,000 a year. That's my story. You know, and I was trying to get to, you know, keep getting to that place where I should be doing this. And then when things don't happen the way you, the way you plan it, you're right. The expectations will just will beat you up every time. Uh, like that that David Burns song, you know, Once in a Lifetime, where is this beautiful house? Yeah. You know, where, is, where is this beautiful yeah, life? Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> that moment you get stuck. And believe me, I get it. I have been so close to that moment so many times where I'm, I'm just like, well, I can't do this. And I, and I just pull myself back and say, no, it, it's, it's not that way, regardless of whatever story you want to tell. And life has maybe, and that comes back again, our relationship with uncertainty dictates the job, the relationship, and what we're going to be willing to do in, in life. So I got very lucky that I had written this book called The Gift of Maybe, which I thought I wrote, wrote for the world, but I obviously wrote it for myself. And I got very lucky because I'm always able to lean on that because life has maybe and we have no idea. And thank goodness we have no idea because that means so much more is possible than we could even imagine. Right. This or something better. Absolutely. This or something better. Absolutely. I tell myself that a lot. Like over the weekend, we've been looking for a different uh, house, a different rental property here in Southern California, which is ridiculous. <laughs> that's a whole other story. But you see things and then you're like, okay, if that's not going to be it, then there's something better. And Absolutely. that's one thing I've learned even over the whole process of looking for properties and things. You think, oh, this is the perfect thing. I love it. I'm going to die if I don't get it. Yeah. Well, there's some awesome, amazing property you've never even seen yet. Absolutely. That, that's better, you know? So I, I tell that to myself a lot sometimes if I'm disappointed. Okay, if it wasn't this, then it's going to be something better down Absolutely. the road. And you got to stay on the playing field. That's the most important thing. I could have hit under my bed and it looked like a really good thing for me to do quite a few times. You just got to get uncomfortable. Allow yourself to be uncomfortable and allow yourself sure. to dream and allow yourself to know that uncertainty is your best friend. And you can't go wrong because you'll end up in another place. And again, you know, will you like that place better? I don't know, but maybe you'll like the best the place after that. But I know that I stayed on the playing field for the past three years and it, it's made all the difference in my life. You've shown up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been so fun to talk with you about this book. I, I really enjoyed it. We have just a, a couple of minutes left, but you know, what do you see for women in the future? I mean, things are changing, some things for the better, maybe some things not so much. There's challenges. Yeah. I mean, do you, you hope that your book will help women, young girls, like really shift some of these ideas and stories that we've been told yeah. into, yeah, a, into a yeah. new paradigm? You know, we don't have to believe all that. Absolutely. And like I said, the book is a hope. It's a hope that women will see, you know, sometimes we don't see the issues because we're so busy living our lives. So I'm hoping that this, this book creates awareness and this book creates a path that women will say, Hey, just, wait a second. I'm not being authentic in the workplace. Wait a second. I'm hiding. I'm compromising myself. I'm not valuing myself. What could be different? And I hope, you know, I offer exercises in the book and theories. And my hope is that women will start seeing themselves differently and therefore step out into the world differently. And, and I am concerned about um, the pandemic and I'm concerned that, you know, a lot of women are going to be, you know, pushed into virtual 
situations where more men might go back to the workplace. And so I'm concerned how these cultures are going to shift because I don't think that, you know, childcare is set up for women the right way. And I don't think women share domestic chores. They do more of it. So I'm worried that the pandemic is going to be a little bit of a setback. But if we're aware of it and we're aware of the choices that we're making, we realize what's a real choice and what's not and what's available to us. And we can be creative and not be afraid of uncertainty. I truly believe that women have a wonderful moment right now to step forward, to find equity, equality, and to keep being bigger and bigger players in our society. And my hope is that, you know, with women being equal, that the world will become a better place for everyone. And that's, that's the ultimate hope, right? I hope so too. And I think it's time and I think we're ready. And now with the uncertainty of what we've all been experiencing over the past year and a half, this is a new normal for all of us. Things will never be the same. It will never go back, you know? So we have to find our way to show up and participate the best way that we can. And I think we do have, uh, there, there are some exciting things in the future. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, you know. Me too. I, I feel I feel very <laughs> scary. Again, just because we don't know doesn't mean it's going to be bad. For all we know, you know, the best is yet to come. And and I won't let anybody sell me despair because despair is someone else's need for certainty. I believe the strongest person in the room is able to see things for what they are in the moment. Look at the facts. Don't ignore the facts, but dream and be expansive and be creative. And I think that's when the world really changes for the better. And I'm very hopeful that women, working with women so much the last three years, like I said, they are brilliant business people, emotional warriors. And I think that we have the potential, all of us, uh, to make the world a better place. And I'm very hopeful. And you work with women now. How can people get in touch with you? Are you accepting clients right now through your website as a coach? Yes, you could go to my website at alisoncarmen.com. And my email is allison at allisoncarmen.com. My books are available on Amazon and all major bookstores. And I'm always open to hear from people. And I have this great podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, uh, which I love. And yeah, I'm just open, open to new experiences, open to meet new people. Um, I work a lot at the Motherhood Center, but it's not full time. So I'm always open. Like I said, where's life going to take me next? 10 Minutes to Less Suffering. That's a great podcast title. Yeah, I love, I love it. It's it's a short <laughs> 10 minute podcast. And my hope during that podcast that it will help alleviate some stress or worry in your life. And recently, you know, I talk a lot about hope and maybe in the pandemic and just to make sure that people stay open to life because there's so much still that's possible. And I just don't want people to kind of fall into this low negative place where they think that the world can't get better because it always can. And, and we could always find love and we could always find peace and we could always be present. And I just hope that, that people will kind of embrace more and more of these new ideas so they could live their best life. That's such an awesome way to end it on such a powerful, positive note. And I so appreciate you spending some time with us today, A Year Without Men by Allison Carmen. Check it out. And thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, 
the Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.